0: This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet
1: Marketing, and today I'm joined by Kelvin. Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Andy. Hello, everybody at home. Hope you're all doing super fantastic, lovely. So if not, um, yeah, it's got to be super fantastic. Lovely. They're just super fantastic. That, that's just not good enough.
0: So uh, you've been to boot camp, haven't you? Yeah. And you were doing a sort of a talk on um, how to have better marketing ideas. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to give us a, one of your wonderful brain dumps.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, what I wanted to talk through today um, is based upon, um, sort of building upon a talk I did recently at the Search Boot Camp event in London, which is run by the lovely um, people at... Um, SEO monitor. But what I wanted to do is kind of take you through some exercises, some approaches, some ways of thinking about coming up with ideas. Because the reality is that for most of us in the world of digital marketing, um, it's very easy to get um, technical skills and knowledge. So you can listen to podcasts like this. You can go off and find excellent tutorials that take you through a lot of the technical detail of how to do marketing. But what I don't think it's talked about quite as much as it should do, or certainly I don't hear talked about quite as much as I would like, is the creative process. And what I find is that like a lot of the people who I work with in in digital marketing, hugely creative people, but they've never really thought about how do I create an environment or what some of the methods I could use to encourage that creativity in my in myself, but also when working with other people. So if you're working brand side how do you get the rest of your team to kind of come up with good creative ideas
0: so this is nice because we're normally talking about technical stuff yeah this is more kind of um psychological environmental stuff
1: yeah i mean yeah it's a bit kind of like um process a bit but i suppose it's also about kind of like actually i think if you want to have successful marketing you need to have good ideas Mm. and ideas don't just happen right isn't it you know you there's you need to think about how you go about that and things you can do so i think it's you know initially worth saying that you know there's so many tools out there there's a great statistic that i like to to reel out in these kind of instances that came from gartner and they talked about by 2017 the cmo will spend more on technology than the cio so the person who's in charge of marketing they reckon in most organizations by 2017 will spend far more on technology than the person who's in charge of it Mm. um and if you look at there's some great graphics out there from people like Chief Martech um, who show all of the different technologies that are available to marketers. There's never been more of them. That's a big change from when I started out in SEO particularly because there were far fewer tools. You might have had um, Zenu or Xenu Link Sleuth, maybe Yahoo Site Explorer, and then the Yahoo Keyword um, tool. But there's um, loads now. I mean, I, there's uh, there's hundreds of just SEO tools out there, mm. tools that help you. Um, conduct better keyword research, tools that help you analyze what you're doing on your page, what changes you should be making, tools dedicated to reporting, tools dedicated to the local SEO, um, tools about competitor analysis, link analysis, rankings, crawling, suites that do some of the things, platforms that do attempt to do all of them. There's never really been more tools out there that, you know, help you do SEO particularly, but kind of all forms of digital marketing. On the one hand, I think that they've made our lives easier. I think they've actually made it easy to forget what I think are probably two of the best tools that are out there. Um, what I reckon is, I'm putting my hand on my heart here saying the best two marketing tools, um, the best two tools that you should invest your money in as a marketer are Sharpies and Post-it notes. <laughs> because I think if you use those tools kind of inventively, you can solve most of the marketing challenges that you face. Um, because actually I think, that way of brainstorming, that way of thinking together, that way of working together is so important. And in fact, I think kind of it's so easy to get obsessed by what the tools allow you to do. Um, whereas actually it's that kind of creative thought process that I think is probably more important. So I'm going to talk you through a couple of exercises, approaches that, that I've used, that I've seen used that work quite well. Um, a lot of them are kind of inspired, um, heavily so by a book called Game Storming. So we'll put that link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's called Game Storming and they call it a a playbook for innovators, rule breakers and change makers. But the reality is is that it talks you through some of these ones methods and approaches that I'll talk about now, but loads of other ones as well. So if you're the kind of person who's been inspired by this, hopefully you'll go and have a look at that book. But kind of ultimately that book and this podcast has an ambition really, which is to save you from crappy, rubbishy meetings and terrible brainstorming sessions. So if I've done my job today, Andy, by the, t- the end of today, um, everyone will you know, have a chance to, to save themselves from brainstorming meetings where you come with bad ideas or terrible meetings. Mm. Now, I think one approach that I like to use is always good to have an icebreaker. Now, I'm not a big fan of these kind of um, trustfuls or any of that kind of random stuff. But one I quite like to do, if you've got a group of people together who you don't know or a group of people who perhaps don't know each other, if it's more of a focus group type one. Um, I like to do this idea, and this is, again, taken from gainstorming, as a lot of these examples are, um, what's known as the low-tech social network. So what you do is you get everyone in the room, um, and this works best on a whiteboard, um, so Sharpies, whiteboards, and Post-it notes. You need the three there. <laughs> um, and what you do is you write on the Post-it note your name, right? So everybody in the room puts their name on the Post-it note, pops it up on the wall, and then draws the connections between themselves. So it might well be, if me and Andy were doing it in a room, we'd say, okay, Kelvin records the podcast with Andy, and you mm. use that. So what you're doing is creating the social network of the people between the rooms. Like a social graph. Like a social graph, but it's kind of low, really low-tech. For a minute, I thought you were going to say you put the post-it notes on your forehead. No, 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 none of that kind of cheesy icebreakers are mine ones here. It's more just a kind of like, if you're facilitating that meeting, it helps you understand the connections between the people in the room. Mm. If you're a participant in that meeting, it helps you kind of go, Actually, what are the shared relationships? What are the reporting lines? What are the relationships that people have between them? So that's a good icebreaker. Yeah. I always recommend if you're going to have a brainstorming meeting, trying to do something to kind of get people in the mood. But then let's move on to the the session um, properly. So there's kind of three stages of um, brainstorming. Um, now, a bit of the caveat here have you heard this one, Andy, that brainstorming is a politically incorrect term? I don't know if you've heard no, that well, No, I haven't. It doesn't but it yeah, surprised me. Yeah. So, um, Sometimes people think that, you know, the word brainstorming might be a little bit offensive to people with epilepsy. Um, epilepsy Action um, have said that, you know, from their point of view and from the surveys they've carried out, that's not the case. So just caveat that one up there. But, yeah, there's kind of three stages that you need to do in a brainstorming meeting. Um, and an exercise. different exercises might achieve different aspects of this, but it's a good way of doing things. So what you do is you start out with the initial stage. Um and the initial state and what you're wanting to do is open things up so you're trying to create divergent thinking right so you're trying to start from a narrow point so what you need to do is set the stage develop ideas talk about ideas and information it's all about opening people's minds opening up to possibilities so that's what your first stage of your meeting your brainstorming got to be about opening setting the scene so everyone's got the same context opening things up from there you then have the exploring phase exploring phase sorry which is about emergent themes right so you're examining things you're exploring you're experimenting and this is different from the opening phrase because what you want to do is start off get lots of ideas then explore them so you need to create conditions that allow unexpected surprising and hopefully delightful things to emerge so that's a a good stage there. Then, this is the bit that I've typically been quite poor at, which is the convergent closing stage. Mm. So it's about bringing conclusions, making decisions, creating actions, and narrowing the field in order to select the most promising things and decide what to do next. So problems people can do is they try and um, close the ideas before they've explored them fully. Yeah. Um, or try to close before they've even got to the stage of them. So it's almost like you know, wanting to close the idea straight away. Or you just create all these ideas and there's no clear action point from the end of that. So there's you kind of really want to cover all of those stages to successfully come up with some ideas, because success requires you to open, explore, and then close. So down. are you going to cover some techniques for opening yeah. and closing? Yeah. Mm. Um, so just before that, I want to go on and talk about kind of the seven Ps. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of good to do. And one I recommend doing if you're having lots of these meetings, if you've Found those really frustrating meetings where you've been there an hour and a half and nothing's really come of it. Um, One way of solving that is establishing the seven Ps, right? So, this is the seven Ps um, framework, again, explored in um, GameStorming, More details on it on jway.com. So, first of all, you need to establish the purpose, right? So, why are we going to do this? What do we want to achieve in doing this? Because having a clear vision and being able to share it with all of the participants is invaluable in doing the right thing. So this means limiting yourself and limiting the purpose of that meeting or workshop. You know, it'd be great if you could solve world peace or turn your business around or, you know, become a hugely successful business overnight. That's not what you're going to be able to achieve in a 20 minute meeting or a 30 minute meeting. Clarify precisely what the purpose of that meeting is and you'll be in a much better space. You need to also think about people. So almost like these seven Ps should probably be on the calendar invite, that kind of type of stage. So you as a person who's organising that need to think about the people. So who's going to participate, write down the names of those people and also think about the chemistry of those people. So think about the chemistry that you want to bring in but also understand if there are personalities that might not be necessarily hugely compatible in your organisation. Maybe have two meetings, right? Because don't let the that incompatibility or that difference of opinion that they have ruin the meeting. So if you kind of know, oh, I can see that person X is going to end up with arguing with person Y in that meeting. Have two different meetings, right? Because you want to treat it in a different way. Then you need to de- determine what the product is, right? So what's the outcome going to be? You know, are we creating a prototype? Are we, you know, starting a document? Are we making a decision? Are we making a action list? It needs to be tangible, and you need to know what that is beforehand. So you're kind of going, okay, here's why we're doing it, here's who we want to be there, and here's what we want the outcome to be. That's the product of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Then process is important, right? So how are we going to achieve it, right? So if this might not be something that you share in the full detail of, but kind of if you're going to do some of these exercises, you need to have decided that beforehand. What's the agenda going to be? What exercises are you going to do? Think about the process then set the preparation. So what do you need to do for the meeting, but what do you expect people to do beforehand? Mm. And be clear about that because, you know, if someone, if you say, I need you to read this document beforehand and then they don't, that's their fault. If you don't tell them or just attach that to them and don't specify, that's your fault. That's not theirs. Don't expect everyone to implicitly know the preparation that they need to do. Another one of the Ps here is pitfalls. So before you go into this brainstorming meeting, before you go into the session, um, think about the risks that potentially could prevent you from achieving your purpose. So you've almost pre-identified them. You've put them in the open and then you talk about them and talk about how you're going to mitigate them. Mm. Um, and uh, we were talking about that a bit about kind of when we're talking about the personalities of the people. If you know that there's going to be an argument between those two people, you've foreseen that pitfall, you've mitigated it by taking a different approach and then think about the practical things. So when and where, you know, do you need to take your sharpies and post it notes? So hopefully. If you do all of those, you're really well equipped for a good brainstorming meeting. So that's the seven P's. The seven P's. Purpose, product and people, the process. So you need your purpose of your meeting. You determine the people. You decide the process of how you're going to get to the product. And then think about the prep, the practical concerns and the pitfalls. Okay. So this is another good sort of opening question, which is the five Y's. Have you heard this one before, Andy? So we've got seven P's and now we've got the five Y's. This is Y's as in W H Y S rather than the letter y, um, yeah. So, this is a game that's kind of, or that kind of has a motive of moving beyond the surface of a problem um, and really sort of helps you solve problems more sustainably by addressing them at the source rather than the surface level. So, um, Basically, it just kind of comes down to you asking a question, the question why, five times, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, maybe the first question I'd say to someone is, so why is, I don't know, why is our company going in the wrong direction? And they'd maybe say, oh, we've got a bit of a rubbish product. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, why have we got a rubbish product? And they say, oh, it's badly designed, right? Why is it badly designed? Uh, Well, maybe because it's not tested enough. Mm. Um, That's part of the reason why it's badly designed. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: And why isn't it tested well enough? Um, Because there's no budgets for tests. Um, And why is there no budget for tests? Well, because the leadership undervalues testing, right? That might be, you know, that's a very simplified, easy one to go through. But it's much easier to solve the problem of um, leadership undervaluing testing. That's, you know, that you can see that there would be an action from that that you could do to respond to that than, oh, we just have a bit of a rubbish product. How how do you make the product better? So it's that type of thing of kind of getting below the surface value. And that's just kind of a really useful exercise to do. It really weirds people out when you're doing it, Mm. Um, but it's a good approach. That's the five whys, one that's a good one to do. Another one that I like to do as well. So, um, this is, and this can work really well for content as well, but it's good for businesses, which is the elevator pitch, right? Yeah. So, this is kind of a time proven exercise in product development that applies, you know, the idea of writing an elevator pitch. So, people will say, okay, you know, elevator pitches, watch your elevator pitch as a company. And, you know, it's quite hard to do that. But there's a structure you can use. Um, to form an elevator pitch which i think helps you kind of clarify what you as a business is trying to do or Mm -hmm. what a content idea is trying to do or any of these types of things you'd be doing brainstorming so it needs to be short enough to sort of deliver in this fictional elevator ride um, but also contain a compelling description of the product you you know problem you're solving who you'll solve it for and one benefit that key benefit that distinguishes it from others right so what would your elevator pitch be so Here's a structure, right? So, write this down. I'll share the slide notes with it as well. Hmm. But, um, you know, your product is for who is your target customer, who has what their need is, and then what your product name is is a market category that – okay, let's, let's do this a different way. So, we are for who, right? So, that's your first question. Who are, you, who are your target customers? Yep. Um, Who has – what need, so what is their need that they're solving? Yeah. Um, what your product name is, um, which category you're in, what your one key benefit is, who you're unlike, and what's your unique differentiator, right? Okay. So Netflix might be, I don't know, um, for movie fans who struggle to find good movies to watch, Netflix is a streaming service. That is easier to use and has a wider variety compared to other forms of online streaming, and then whatever their unique differentiator is, right? So, just a good way of framing this kind of who you're for, what your customer need is, which category you're in, what makes you special, sorry, what one of the benefits that you have, Mm -hmm. how you differ from your competition, and what your unique differentiator is. So, I'll share the slide for that, but that's a, a good one of going through that, producing an elevator pitch. Okay, this next one, Andy, you're going to love the name of this. Go on then. Um, it's the, the Heuristic Ideation Technique. Horrible. It just slips off the tongue. Yeah, horrible name. Heuristic horrible, horrible name. Yeah, technique. the Heuristic Ideation heuristic Technique. Heuristic Ideation Technique. Okay, so this gets its um, name from Heuristics, which there's a better name for them, right? Which is Rules of Thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based on three of those. So a new idea. Um, so this, these are three rules of thumb. Um, a new idea can be generated from remixing the attributes of an existing idea, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's one rule of thumb. Um, a new idea is also best understood by describing its two essential attributes. So actually, if you can describe two things about an idea, you mm. can get a good job of getting understanding it. Summarizing it. Yep. And the more different or surprising the combination of those two attributes are, the more compelling the idea. Hmm. right so this is um again it's a, a sharpie or whiteboard type one so you need to decide on two categories of attribute and form a matrix out of that right so that, i'll talk you through this so for example imagine a toy manufacturer um they might look at its product line by type right so you might have vehicles figures and dolls puzzles and instruments yeah. right so there that's a way of classifying their product lines and then they might also look in the other dimension, which is types of play, so racing, simulation, or construction. Yeah. So then you you draw your matrix. So across the top, I've got vehicles, dolls, puzzles, and instruments. Then going down, I've got racing, simulation, and construction. Yeah. And then you match up your matrix to see what you've got. So, um, okay, let's say in the vehicles column. So what a vehicle toy. Where well, the idea is racing would maybe be scale electric, slot cars, kind mm-hmm. of that's an obvious one, right? Um vehicles and simulations might be like a flight simulator. Right? And then vehicles and construction might be like a model kit. Yeah. Right? And then you go dolls. Okay, so dolls, that's a type of toy. Um what racing could you do with dolls? <laughs> maybe you do wind up toys. Mm. And then simulation, what might be, you know, dolls and simulation, dolls and construction, and you're doing puzzles and racing, puzzles and simulation, puzzles and construction, um, instruments and racing. Do you see what I mean? So you're kind of putting these two ideas together and say, okay, ah, what could we do by combining these two
0: Yeah, you're sort of forcing ideas by means of a matrix, aren't you?
1: Yeah. And yeah, so that's a really good one to do there because you use that grid, you take it out, really good way of kind of coming up with new ideas off the Mm. back of that. Another one, this is one that's really, really good for content marketing. So this is called Six, three, five, brain writing. So this works best in a group of six right. that can really work with any number. You need about three or four of you. Mm. Um, so, again, it's one where you draw a grid and I can share a template um, online and there's a good tool that you can use for this as well. But essentially, um, you need to have a persona or something like that and say you need to come up with three content ideas that will appeal to that persona, right? So you do idea one, idea two, idea three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got um 3 um, 3 minutes to do that right so you then pass the sheet of your free ideas to the yeah. person next to you mm-hmm. and because you're in a circle you then get a sheet free ideas on you. Mm-hmm. um and you then have um another 5 minutes to come up with another free ideas and your free new ideas could respond to the ideas that the person next to you's had mm-hmm. respond to the ones you've had or just start from scratch again mm-hmm. Then five minutes go, you pass it on again, and you've got to come up with three more ideas. So this happens like six times. Um, if there's six of you in a group, if there's five of you, it happens five times. Um, and then you're responding to the ideas that come before you. But by the end, you've got loads of ideas mm. sent off in directions that people you never would have thought of. But because it's done independently, no one personality can too heavily influence things. Yeah. Because it's good because it helps you distill the idea. So if it takes you twenty you know five minutes to explain the idea, then it's too complicated. So that's good because you've just had to get it in that box. Mm. But it also stops any too opinionated people dominating proceedings. So that's a, a good one to do there. So that's six three five brainwriting. Now, these are all great at kind of um generating ideas. Yes, yeah, opening up. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um so then another idea is kind of this idea of post-up, right? So maybe the kind of um, you might ask the question. You write up a question or a topic on the whiteboard and then you ask the group to brainstorm ideas individually, silently, writing their ideas on a separate sticky note, right? So it might well be what are the possible product uses for product X or, you know, what are the different, you know, content ideas. Maybe you've used brainwriting and each of those become a post-it note. Then what you then do is take those, post them all up on the whiteboard and try and categorize them. Um, So you're kind of asking them to sort them into these themes of ideas. Mm. So there's a meaningful categorisation process. So So therefore it's
0: important that each idea goes on a separate note, presumably. Yeah, yeah, on for that
1: side of ones. So that's a good way of doing things. So actually maybe all of these are about, I don't know, self-help. So therefore you do them there. Another idea, another way of then, so you've got your ideas, you've pulled them into themes, Mm. um, you know, then you need to kind of prioritise them. So there's this idea of dot voting. so this can work well. If you kind of imagine those little you know, round dot stickers you can get, yeah. little colours, if you have your different topics, your different ideas, get everyone that they've got five coloured stickers maybe and there's ten ideas, get them to choose which of those five that they want to do. And
0: they put their dot on the one they choose. Yep, and yeah, and that
1: can work really well. Take it in turns and you end up with a prioritising there. None of that kind of pressure of raising your hands mm. um, it allows you to do other ones as well. Another idea I like is this idea of forced ranking. Um. So you have to get everyone to... So say you've got five ideas. Hmm. You ha- get them to um, not score it out of 10 because that's a bad approach because everyone gives it like nine out of 10. and yeah. you know, Make them say, okay, of these five ideas, which is your favourite, mm-hmm. which is your least favourite, and which is the sequence? So this is uh, my favourite idea, number one, idea number two. Um, so there's no scoring out of 10. You just have to say, oh, I think this idea is better than that idea. Yes. And then you combine all the scores to see the collective yeah. ones. And that's, again, a really Comparative good Comparative ranking rather yeah. than absolute, yeah. 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 And another way, another good way of sort of reality checking ideas is the Nuff test, right? As so, in, I've had enough. Uh, yeah, no, it's a good, <laughs> good, good state. Often at this stage, that's where you're at, right? <laughs> but for each of these ideas, this is another way of maybe prioritising them. So you kind of say, okay, this idea, how new is it? Give it a score out of ten for mm-hmm. that, maybe. How useful is it? Ah, uh, it's, it's an uh, adequate. How feasible is it? Uh, right. So a good idea is something that's new, useful, and, and feasible. feasible. Yeah. So. That's a bit of a whistle-stop tour of some brainstorming ideas. Hopefully that's given you an idea of um, some of the ones you might want to use. I definitely recommend checking out the show notes. We'll show some of the kind of graphics that go with this that explain it a little bit better. But that game-storming book, really highly recommended. If you've got a job where you've got to kind of try and encourage people to have good ideas, you need to think about the way you do it. Because the processes, the approaches, the exercises you use will have a huge impact on the quality of the ideas that you have and then the likelihood of their success um because you need to think about that process because good ideas don't just happen Mm. you need to create an environment where they're going to happen and some of these exercises some of these processes that i've talked through today hopefully will help move you a little bit more in that direction
0: brainstorming for me has always been um i mean it's always been there but it's always been a very kind of uh, how do I say this homogenous there's not much structure to it you just kind of I always felt you just sat in a room and you with with some mm. uh, with a whiteboard and some post-it notes and you just all you know the, mm. the encouragement was to kind of not be limited in your thinking yeah. and don't be embarrassed but this is really nice because it gives specific it's almost like games you can do within the session that will really get some results
1: yeah I, I think that's a good way of doing it you're thinking about a a, a, a game structure for encouraging those types of ones and it's just really good to make that out, that closing, that prioritization bit is equally as important as the new ideas. I think we all, you know, personally, I, you know, I enjoy that coming up with ideas stage, but there's no value in those ideas. And there's no action that comes from them. So I think that like things like the forced ranking to help settle arguments is good. Things like the enough test that it can work really well in, in all kinds of environments, like, you know, even in software development and that type Absolutely, of thing. Yeah. You know, if you're prioritizing a new feature, how do you prioritize them? Are they mm. prioritised by um, the time at which someone suggested them or are they prioritised by the, how easy they are to get done? Yeah, It's much better to think about, well, what's the impact that they're going to have? And I think, mm. like, is it new? Is it useful? Is it feasible? Quite a good framework for that.
0: Fantastic. So, um, thank you for listening. Show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash IMPodcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher. You can also find us on iTunes. Now, Kelvin, you're all good at this. encourage the listeners to phone us on plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh
1: yeah please do those questions are great for us for future questions episodes we're going to do more of those in the future and also they always they get when you leave one of those messages it gets emailed through to me and andy so um they always bring a smile to mine and andy's face so yes please do we love those questions um and yeah make for great episodes and you know we want to help you guys out right that's what we're here for we're here to kind of share a little bit of what we know, but also kind of help you guys do your job a bit better, learn a bit more. The more specific we can be in that, the better chance we've got of you know producing it. If it's a question that you want to know, you know, there's the thousands of you that listen to this podcast, there are other people who want to know the answer to that question as well. So we help each other, don't yeah, we? Yeah, that's how it works. Karma, all that kind of thing. And you can also
0: email us at podcast at uk. So it's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Kelvin.
1: Bye-bye. And
0: we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.